0: Welcome to the LilyPad Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Lilly. Every week I interview someone who is making their unique mark in the world by doing what they love and offering their gifts and talents to help support their communities. I talk to authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, artists, musicians, and everyday people just like you who are making a difference in the world. I hope you're inspired by these conversations to get out there and do your part to make your community better.
1: it's just fun to get to, to, to spiritually write. And I think it's almost cool for all of us to do that. Cause it's, it's like um, you go into it with listening, like why write something that's been written before. So you go into it with listening and with an open heart and with expectation. And it's really cool. when you write something and you say, man, that's, that's, I think that's really good. At least it speaks to me. My mom died and it was just kind of like, what do you do now? Um, And so I just wanted to write these letters, like, what are the unspoken things? What are all the things I would say if I had, like, 40 letters to them? Like, what would you say to your kids if you had COVID and they said, hey, you've got two weeks and you're going to die? I kind of had this real, like, emptiness, like, not just, like, sadness, like, oh, I'm crying every night or something. Of course, I was sad, but I I was a real, like, wow, there's there's no more conversations. Mm -hmm. There's phone calls. There's no more, like holidays there's no more birthdays there's no like what do you say like what do you you know It just was so strange it's a strange experience when you lose someone real close to you
0: hey there Lilypad listeners and welcome to another episode of the Lillipad podcast <sighs> this this is an interview that I was excited about for for quite some time I interviewed John Sowers who is the author of one of my favorite books of all time. It's called The Heroic Path. Now, admittedly, it's a book specifically for men, but uh, I know other people who are not men who have read it, who really enjoyed it, uh, simply because John is just a phenomenal writer. And one of my favorite things about this book is how he just pulls from so many resources and uses them as a guide, as sort of a a map, if you will, Um, I'm speaking figuratively here, to help men on their journey of what he refers to as the heroic path. And the greatest thing about it is, even though he pulls from a lot of different resources, um, mythology, uh, literature, even movies and television, he brings it right back to what he considers to be the man who walked the greatest heroic path of all and that is jesus christ Uh, john is a christian and this book is a christian book but i wouldn't say that it's a book only for christians it's incredible in how it just reaches straight into the heart of a man and that desire we have for following that journey that that heroic journey Um, that we sort of universally feel we should be on as a man. And I've read this book multiple times. And as I said in in my uh, episode of uh, My Monday Motivation, that's rare for me. It has to be a really good book for me to read it more than once. But I pick it up at least once a year, Uh, you know. And there's a list of other books I do that with. And one of them I actually mentioned in in this conversation that I have with John. So I hope you enjoy this interview. You'll see that he's just such an insightful and introspective and caring man, and that really shows in this book. I I was pleased with this interview because, you know, you you read something that someone has written and you kind of get an idea, um, you know, unless it's fiction, of course, but even then sometimes you get an idea of what that person might be like in real life. Uh, And I've talked to people who have met authors, who have met their heroes. You know i'm not saying john's my hero necessarily but you get my point they met people that they really whose work they really admire and maybe they have an image of them in their mind and then unfortunately that image is is just sort of shattered when they meet the person that is not the case here at all um as i read the heroic path for the first time i had this just desire like man I, I, i have to talk to him more i just you know what he's written here is incredible but I wanna go deeper. I wanna have you know a more meaningful discussion with this guy. It may never happen, you never know, but this was my opportunity you know, to give him a chance to talk about what he's working on now and where he is in life now. He has written a new book and we talk about that in this interview as well. So I hope you enjoy this, uh, but most of all, I hope that after listening to this, especially if you're a man, that you will go grab a copy of The Heroic Path I'd let you borrow mine, but mm, I hold on to it pretty tightly. Uh, but for real, get a copy of the book, and then check out his new book. You know, it's out now; uh, should be available. Um, you know, anywhere that you can order books. But just enjoy this conversation. You know, let it let it enter your mind, let it enter your heart. Some of the things that we talk about, you know, because we're all being challenged right now, and, and we discuss that a bit too. So. I appreciate you all for listening. Without any further delay, here's John Sowers. <laughs> oh, and, and just as a really quick disclaimer, you might want to adjust your volume for this one. <laughs> I, was, I was playing around with the volume of my microphone and I uh, forgot to, uh, to test it before we got started, so my voice comes out pretty loud. Um, so if you know me personally, maybe you're used to that, but for the sake of listening to a podcast, especially if you've got earbuds in, you might want to kind of like finagle with your volume a little bit so that I don't bust your eardrums, but otherwise, I hope you enjoy this interview. John Sowers, welcome to the Lilypad podcast. How are you, my friend?
1: Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you. I know we've been, we've been trying to make this happen for some time, just kind of firing emails back and forth and back and forth and. Uh, you're a busy guy and I'm a busy guy, so I'm just happy that we finally got to make this happen.
1: Yeah, thank you for your patience and um, for waiting for me. I'm glad we got to connect.
0: Yes, sir. Um, I wanted to invite you on my podcast because your book, The Heroic Path, is absolutely one of my favorite books. And um, at the risk of sounding cliche, when I say that it was the right book at the right time and one of those books that did change my life in terms of changing the the, the course of, of how I was um, operating as a man, as a husband, as a father, um, certainly one of the top books, um, from oh, my life. Um, a lot of my readers would be familiar with, uh, you know, John Eldridge's wild at heart, but I would go so far as to say that I actually, I like your book more than that book. I've read uh, part. I've no. read it several times, but
1: I wouldn't go that far.
0: Well, I would, I would. And and I have my reasons for that personally. You know, and some of my my listeners, if they read Wild at Heart and they love that book, and then they read yours and they might not agree. But um I'm gonna give you an opportunity to talk about the book, but I just wanted to tell you that one of the reasons is that you're I'm an English teacher and I absolutely love mythology and probably a lot like you. I know you're a Tolkien fan and a Lord of the Rings fan. But I know you're also familiar with uh, people like Joseph Campbell, Robert Bly, you know, the mythopoetic movement. Um, And there was a phase in my life where I would have avoided mythology or talk about mythology because as a Christian, I always thought there's Christianity and then there's that stuff. There's mythology, which is all the lies and the things that have been proven wrong. And then there's Christianity.
1: The lies, Um, the lies, cruise over, according to (laughs) C.S.
0: yes exactly but what you do uh and it's something that's actually has sort of been a transformation in my mind over the years in your book is you tap into mythology and sort of remind your reader that well whether or not you believe this stuff is true or it actually happened like scripture much of it can still be like a guide it can still be like something that we learn from you know ancient wisdom that we can learn from um and so that's just unique in, in uh, the, especially in the Christian men's um, author sort of genre. Um, So I just wanted to say that to you as a compliment. That's one of the reasons why your book is, is one of my absolute favorites. And I do, in my own opinion, hold it above Wild at Heart.
1: Oh man. Thank you so much. I I love that book, Wild at Heart. And I do like Robert Bly. I know he passed away like in the last few months. Um, And if you're, um not familiar with him i know you are uh he wrote a great book called iron john that he looked at the brothers grim you know yeah and he um he believes that myth not necessarily as allegory like lewis but he would say i think as tolkien would say is application He, he sees myth as application and i think the the point in that book was um To look at the mythic path, uh, the the monomyth, right, the Campbell story of these great stories, and then apply it to the gospel, and then actually see that the gospel is the one that informs the monomyth. Like the gospel is actually behind Campbell, not the other way around. So it's not like mythology is over the gospel. It's like the gospel actually, like Jesus left the village, he went under the water, he was led into the wilderness, and then he returned, you know, changed. And then I looked at that as stations for initiation. And I never thought of that before. I felt like one of the cool things to be totally honest about writing is you have, I think you have revelations sometimes. And I was, on, I was in Alaska and I was like, I've never read that anywhere. I've never heard anybody talking about the stages of Christ from 30 to 33 um, as maybe stages that we have becoming for us too, you know? And so it felt like a revelation. And so it was really exciting to write it down. Um, I I, I probably needed to rewrite it a few more times. Like the publisher really wanted me to have it done. I really needed about six more months. Um, The vice president of another publishing house just approached me with that book. And they asked me if I'd be interested in rewriting it and taking six more months because they knew I needed a little more time. Um, so may, maybe so, maybe we'll do that. But it, that was a real blessing to get to be on the receiving end of things that feel like revelations and feel life giving, and then to hear someone like you um, and others say, "Man, that really spoke to me." And it's funny because it's like, "Yeah, it really spoke to me too." Like I, I, it's not something I'd ever thought of before. It's not like I was thinking about this since I was eighteen. I was literally on the Alaska with my computer without power. Hardly we had generators at night and following bears around and i had these thoughts about the gospel and about how we we need to stop listening to the popular voice we need to um but we, even more than that we don't even have a a language for the initiation like we don't in our culture we have no language for it we don't have elders for it we don't have some kind of a process i guess we have like college like fraternities which are kind of like lord of the flies in a way like boys are trying to like initiate themselves and there's conches and there's you know pig skulls but not really i made that up but um i just feel like um uh yeah it was a blessing to be on the receiving end of that as well and so thanks for your kindness on that and and um it's just fun to get to 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 spiritually write and i think it's almost cool for all of us to do that because it's it's like um You go into it with listening, like why write something that's been written before? So you go into it with listening and with an open heart and with expectation. And it's really cool when you write something and you say, man, that's, that's I think that's really good. At least it speaks to me, you know? And it happens sometimes. Um, Sometimes it doesn't, you know, a lot of times it doesn't. In fact, most of the times it doesn't. Most of the time I'll send a book idea like to a publisher, and they're very kind, but it doesn't go anywhere, um, and it doesn't, that doesn't mean it's not God ordained, but sometimes it does mean that, <laughs> I think sometimes it means it's not very good, and um, so it's just really cool to, to get to do that, and to get to write books, and so my mom also was an English teacher, she had her PhD in grammar, and um, well, she, all but dissertation, so um, is that, that's your, that's your profession, I don't know how I didn't know that,
0: Yes, I'm, I'm an English teacher. Um, I, I don't have a PhD. <laughs> I just got a master's in educational That's leadership. Great. So my next step could be to become a school administrator. But okay. Yeah, I've been, in, I've been an English teacher since uh, 2003. So what, 18 years. what grade? High school. I've mostly taught. Oh, high school. I taught some middle school, but I'm in high school right now. In high school. What do you read in high school? Like beowulf or something what do you read <laughs> it, it depends on the grade level um yeah yes. it, it's seniors seniors read a lot of epic uh world literature and then our juniors focus a lot on uh some american literature uh, i think the sophomores are more along the lines of same kind of thing uh, world literature and then freshmen it's generally just hopefully getting them to read and become better writers and 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 readers um, yeah, I focus on developing literacy as much as possible. Um, I mean, obviously, I know my literature and I know my grammar, but my main focus is I want you to read and write things that are going to prepare you for the world outside of high school. So, yeah, that's really my focus.
1: Yeah, but, and I think that's a, that's beautiful. And I was super effective. I still talk to my high school English teacher, Miss Corden. Um, she's excited about this next book, but um, that's really cool. You get to do that.
0: Yeah, it is, especially when I'm enthusiastic about books and literature and and mythology and I'm big, love, love, love Shakespeare, Um, you know, and so I teach with that enthusiasm in hopes that it'll get my students excited, at least about experiencing it, even if they never return to it, you know, whatever we may be reading, but at least having a good experience while we're reading it. Um, And that's, I, I did want to talk about that too. That was another thing that I absolutely loved about your book was that, even though I'm just now talking to you face to face, to face for the first time, um, I felt connected to, to your story as a man uh, and to your story as a father, because uh, I, didn't, I didn't see much of my dad growing up either. My parents divorced when I was young. And my dad, I mean, he, you know, I was five, I think, when they divorced. And he was in and out, um, mostly out. Um, you know, I, I, have some still pretty vivid and painful memories of sitting on the front porch, waiting for him to come and pick me up to spend the weekend with him. And he wouldn't show up and he wouldn't yeah. call, uh, and no one would be able to get hold of him. And, and that's, that spanned all the way into adulthood, you know, trying yeah. to call him and not being able to reach him and not knowing where he is. Um, but you're, you open your book talking about when you first became a father of twins and how terrified you were and how in love you were. And I thought that was fantastic. And then that, that image of love, the kind of love you felt towards your daughters, you carry that in threads throughout the entire book. Yeah. And I want to know, like, was that deliberate that you decided to sort of keep touching on the theme of love throughout the book?
1: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because a a book about masculine initiation and being the mythopoetic, all those big ideas, um, it's interesting when you, basically I wrote a lot of that, those first few pages in the hospital w- when I was like holding my daughters, you know, like the first night I wrote some of that and um, you know, it's interesting how it kind of, when we have those like threshold moments, mm-hmm. how they expose us and expose, like they kind of lay us bare in a way. It's like, death a death in the family or a a child of birth or like uh you know getting COVID I watched a good friend of mine get COVID recently and it just changed his outlook he like became so grateful he became like this contemplative guy you know and I love that um and so I feel like that the childbirth and having daughters was a threshold moment and also kind of like you have many children too, it, it, it kind of like it triggers you back to the, those childhoods like waiting on the porch or to, and it almost, you're like, I love these girls and I'll do anything for them. And and I know you have a similar resolve, I'm sure. And so, um, yeah, it, it wasn't really intentional. There wasn't a lot of intentionality around that book. Like the, the that process that I described earlier of initiation kind of came to me halfway through the book. So it appears in chapter five you know, whereas if I was going to re- rewrite it, it should be like in the outset, but um, kind of introducing the reader to that because it's kind of a meandering thing that book. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like uh, um, when we write about what's closest to us, um, yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to say was one of the things about mythology and what you're teaching and you're reading the stories that mythology is not a, just about like Beowulf or some like medieval right. guy, yeah, riding Grindel, you know, or whatever. It's like, one of the beautiful things you said, experience, you said the word experience. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes things come alive for us, even the scriptures for sure. When we realize like, we're not just reading these stories. We live a story. These things yeah. can do us like, so something that happens in that story could directly apply to our lives and so in that way we experience stories very differently than just memorizing these characters for a quiz you know Um mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. like you just have to do it actually like it actually changes us you know when we start to find ourselves in a story and the great ones we do that we find ourselves in and they maybe illuminate things in us you know so um i i was actually working on fiction um, for about two years when I felt like I was supposed to write more to my daughters, you know. So I began write them let to write them letters, and I sent that to the publisher last February of 2020, and or January, and they said, "Oh, we love it. Let's do it." So I put fiction down and put the stories down and um, started writing these intimate letters to my kids, and I just. Um, they just opened a box of them, of the books. It was a surprise. They didn't know I was writing it. And they, um, right before we opened Christmas presents, a box of them came. Um, and we opened them and they they didn't even look at all their other gifts. And they read the book all night, you know. So, um, that's awesome. yeah, I think, yeah, really, really cool. It's just, it's a really, I'm real honored and blessed. I know I'm kind of meandering now,
0: but. Um, no, it's okay.
1: Yeah, I'm, I feel honored and blessed to get to write and to, to get to do this and so i'm a big fan of stories too i guess
0: hey there podcast listeners i want to pause for just a moment to tell you about mountain care network mountain care network is a mental and behavioral health agency and it was created to increase accessibility to mental health services and decrease the stigma associated with mental illness in west virginia the wonderful people of mountain care network believe that a healthy mind leads to a healthy life which creates stronger families and communities And they understand that life is difficult at times. So if you or a loved one needs support, Mountain Care Network makes it easy to refer and receive services. Their team of licensed professionals provide services in a variety of settings, including the office, homes, schools, and other community settings. And via telehealth, the people of Mountain Care Network, they meet you where you are. In fact, that is one of their slogans. We meet you where you are. So. If you'd like to learn more, please check out Mountain Care Network's website at mountaincarenetwork.com. So, uh, what are some of the unexpected ways being a writer has made a difference in your life?
1: You know there's times when I, I've tried to be like a speaker and it just doesn't come out right. But something about like sitting still and being quiet. Lewis said he never set out to write a book. It was like taking a dictation. He's trying to listen, you know, mm-hmm. and there's a real, there's a real beautiful sense to that. I think where you become a listener and when you write, you kind of do that. Like I, I'll spend a few months sometimes writing one chapter, just trying to listen and, and it's almost like a puzzle, and it like something unlocks, and you go, ah, like I just was writing about song, uh, a, a, um, a song chapter. Maybe I could read some to you in a little bit, but it was like these things all unlocked for me. And I'm like, I've never thought of that before. Like, we were created in song, and to song we return. You know, this idea is like, whoa, like it's such a simple idea, but it's also like, never really thought of that, you know? And so then I just start exploring all that and I explore that verse in Job where God says, where were you, you know, at the beginning when all the angels shouted for joy and all the morning stars sang together, like this idea that creation was born in song that we were born in his heart, you know, before the beginning of time in music, you know, and we're so impacted by music. And what does that mean? And how do we return to music? So, just thoughts like that. It's really cool to. Um, uh, it's cool as a writer to get to listen. It's an honor to get to put books out into the world. Um, but yeah, it's also cool to be free of that too—to not worry so much about reviews and right. people's. You know, it's just cool. Like I, I wrote this next book to my daughters, and I almost wanted to put—I I wanted to write it anonymously, but the publisher wouldn't let me. Um, they're like, no, too many people know you. And I'm like, okay, well, can I just John? Like I really struggled, like it went almost to the legal battle, like because I really didn't want to put my, I just was like, I just want to be anonymous. I just don't, I don't have to put my name on it. Like, yes, you do. So we, you know, of course it was all friendly. There wasn't any, you know, conflict, but I was really determined not to put my name on it. Um, because it's just so beautiful to put words out into the world almost like seeds. You know, like when you blow a dandelion and it just goes out everywhere, it's like, it feels like you get to do that um, as a writer and it's really cool. So um, it's real freeing when you could take your hands off of the ambition around it and the, oh, I hope this, like the validation, there's so much validation. When people come to me and want to write a book, they usually want validation. They usually mean I want to be published and I want to be known. And I almost always say like, hey, man, if you have something on your heart to write, like, do it, like, don't wait for a publisher to validate you, you know, like, maybe you won't, like, the shack, maybe it won't be published, you know, maybe it'll sell more than any other Christian fiction book ever, and not be published. But, um, so it's, a, it's an honor to get to be a writer. Do you get to write any stuff? Do you, do you dabble? Or do you, do you write in earnest?
0: Uh, yeah, I've, I've been working a little bit with poetry. Um, okay. I have several unfinished, I have one unfinished novel, Nice. Um, yeah. So uh, I like the poetry because it's, I can, I can bang out something really quick. You know, with my attention span, a novel is much more difficult to work on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, take it in small nuggets, a few pages at a time. Uh, but with poetry, I mean, I have an idea that, I, that inspires me or hits me and I do my best to just get it down uh, as figuratively as possible. But yeah, I write a little bit. Um, but that's, that's like, yeah, well, I like, I like your approach because like with this podcast, my main focus is spotlighting other people. I mean, I'm not interested in myself becoming viral or my, my podcast becoming viral. I'm interested in, you know, interviewing people who are like you said the, the, the image of the dandelion, you know, they're getting those seeds out there. They're getting those ideas out there and it's not about them. It's about making a difference either in their communities or in the lives of other people. Um, and so, so what is, what is your new book called?
1: Yeah, here it is. I just got it in the mail. It's called um, Say All the Unspoken Things. I guess that's, is that backwards for you?
0: Oh, no, it looks great. It's it? Yeah, yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah, they put a little, I'm so happy to have a little gold foil on there Look fancy. But um, okay. yeah, Say All the Unspoken Things of letters. And it's to my daughters. I don't know if you can see this right now. Can you see this? Yes. Maybe. But yeah, it's like, uh, it's just letters. It, each one has like a date at the top. Mm -hmm. january 3rd 2020 and that just to my daughters right and so it was a book of letters i wrote them after my mom died i was taking care of her and it was kind of like man what do you do like when your mom dies and um i kind of had this real like emptiness like not just like sadness like oh i'm crying every night or something I had, of course, I was sad, but I, I was a real like wow, there's there's no more conversations.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: there's phone calls, there's no more like holidays, there's no more birthdays, there's no like what do you say like what do you you know it just was so strange. it's a strange experience when you lose someone real close to you, and so you know, she raised me and worked three jobs, and when i my dad wasn't around or my I didn't know my grandfather, my mom, and my grandmother raised me so Um,
0: get up to a baseball player (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) right and uh that was an awesome moment yeah so um uh i i told that story one time in like texas and it was like one of rogers best friends came up to me after the like men's conference and was like talking to me about i was like i was very careful i didn't make him sound like a bad guy but i had to be very careful what i say because it could have like gone poorly but um, because I could have like an angry baseball player on my hands, but, um, but it happened, I mean, you did this and she stood up to you, so deal with it, Roger. But um, anyway, like, um, yeah, so my mom died and it was just kind of like, what do you do now? Um, and so I just wanted to write these letters, like what are the unspoken things? What are all the things I would say if I had like 40 letters to them? Like, what would you say to your kids if you had COVID And they said, hey, you've got two weeks and you're going to die, you know, and uh, what do you say? And death kind of started touching all of us, you know, right after I started writing, like we experienced this COVID thing. And if we didn't know somebody that died, I mean, there are so many people that died or got really sick that we once removed or maybe a parent or a friend's parent or something. And um, so I just began writing the book of letters to them and It feels it's very different than the last book. Uh, It's written to 10 year old girls, but it also, I don't know. It just feels real special to me. So I'm real grateful for it. Um, It comes out in three weeks and um, today it's, um, uh, yeah, three weeks. And then after it comes out, I'll probably do stuff for that week, like podcasts or whatever and be on Instagram and stuff. And then I'll just move on. But I'm I I'm grateful for it. I'm so glad to get to write a book of letters to my daughters. I'm glad the publisher liked it. So
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I, I know that 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 you write very poetically and figuratively in the heroic path. So I'm actually excited to to check out the new book and 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 see, you know. How you how you write to your daughters. If, if the language sure. is different or because obviously the audience is different. The heroic path is, is meant mostly for men. Not that yes. couldn't read it, but it's meant mostly for men. But this is to your daughters. And I think that's fantastic. I'm yes. excited to, to see. Yeah. So what would you yes. say? Well, uh, go, go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, no. Go ahead. I, I, that's fine. I've, I've been rambling. <laughs> that's,
0: sorry. Um, what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned in your life?
1: I think the grace of God, the real grace of God, like really changes us as people. It changes how we interact with each other with kindness, uh, how we forgive. It changes how we, we talked about these stories, right? About mythology and the books that you read in your high school. Um, I know a lot of people right now Strangely, people call me when they're going through the kind of worst time a lot of times. And in the last two days, I've heard like three or four stories. And almost all of these stories, people are doing outlandish things. And it's almost like because they don't believe the grace of God, like this one person is insisting on living with someone who's not their spouse and everybody knows it, but they still won't admit it and it's like literally everyone knows and it's funny because we're all like hey we love you and just stop it's okay like we like we want to extend grace to this person but they just won't they they just won't like let go of the story they've created for themselves and i i feel like like they're a victim or something and I, I feel like speaking of stories there's a, a brilliant line in chapter 2 um shadows of the past from lord of the rings when Gollum kills a guy right to get the ring and tolkien says something so brilliant there he says that the killing smeg uh deagle, he Sméagol killed deagle and killing his friend like ate at him so much he had to create this lie like this ring was his birthday present it, he deserved to have it all these things and, and so many people do that like I think the story we tell ourselves is so critical. Um, Some of us see ourselves as victims or as this or as that. uh, And social media has even exasperated that more to kind of create this projected self. And I think the grace of God is so beautiful because it just cuts through all of it. It cuts through all of our fabrications and all um, all of our defenses, you know, like when we know that God loves us so much. And when we look at the gospel and we look at, um, his forgiveness, um, I think that lesson that the true lesson of the gospel really applied to our lives, not in like a sterile way, but in like a, Hey, you're living with someone who's not your spouse and God still totally loves you and wants you to come back. And we all want you to come back. Cause we're your friend and they can't, it's almost like they can't, it's almost too good to be true. Or they're holding on to this, story, you know? And, uh, so I would say, yeah, the grace of God, like applied to our lives, uh, through Jesus is, um, is the most radical thing, you know, the probably, um, the most life-changing information in the world, you know?
0: I think you and I have talked before on uh, Twitter Messenger about Brendan Manning's book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. Um, and if not, I've talked to so many people about it that maybe it wasn't you and I, but, um, yeah, that's, that's the message he has in that book. It's just like, it's so almost absurd, you know, that, that God loves us so much. And so many people get stuck in that, that pattern, that habit of sin or habit of, of addiction or whatever it might be and think, well, I'm too deep in now. There's no getting out. There's no way God loves me. There's no way my family will forgive me. Uh, but as you said, the radical thing is that, well, nope, that grace is there. You can, you know, always always because God's love is there for you. So awesome. I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Yeah. I've got it right here. Can I read this paragraph?
0: Sure. Go right ahead.
1: A paragraph from the new book called home. It says, uh, for many years, I believe the father was like the older brother. I'm talking about the prodigal son story here. Yeah. I imagine God to have a stern face and crossed arms and he stood over me frowning. Whenever I failed, he was disappointed." Uh, I felt like I didn't deserve my room in the father's house anymore. I felt like my place was based on my performance. It was something I earned through my own efforts and I no longer deserved my room. I've been the younger brother who walked away from home. I've been the older brother who lives in shame and judgment. I have wrongfully judged people and tried to be a gatekeeper in the father's house. This person belongs. This person does not. Um, Yes, yeah, so I'm just kind of skipping around, but I wrote a chapter called Home mm-hmm. about this whole uh, shame misses the whole point of grace. Grace is a free, undeserved gift, not something we work for. So this is a very Manning-like chapter. Yeah, um, ends with a poem. It uh, says, we're all invited to the feast. And then it ends with this poem I wrote to my kids about grace. But, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm so grateful for that, like the grace of God we don't have to be anyone else. Like we can be fully ourselves. Even if we're the ones who like burned it all down, even if we're like in jail or on like the thief on the cross next to Christ, like even if we totally deserve all the punishments and we're the bad guy, like the grace of God is bigger than all that, you know? And I think so many people make stories about themselves to, um, avoid the grace of God and to avoid admitting the truth about themselves or others. And um, it's real sad. It's like, you just miss, like you get the big forgiveness hug from God when you just like, yeah, I blew it, bro. You know, it's like your kids are like, that's the first, thing you do. like, it's not my fault. Like, why did you hit him in the face? Because he breathed on me like, wait, what? <laughs> he didn't, you know? And that's like, and kids it, finally say, I'm so Sorry and they hug each other, it's like this beautiful moment. And adults do the same thing, you know, we're just really good at hiding, but um, anyway. So yeah, I think that's probably, that's probably the best lesson.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, when, when I told you I have five children, what I didn't tell you was that uh, we, have, we have two, we actually have seven. My two oldest adult daughters are biologically ours. And then we have two that we adopted and we're currently fostering three. Well, wow. It's incredible how you can have non-biological siblings who connect as if they really are siblings, who can love yeah. each other like they are biologically sisters and brothers. And that what a powerful lesson that we as followers of Christ can take with us. You know, it's like, sure, I've got this guy over here and he gets on my nerves and he irritates the son out of me and he makes me mad sometimes. But because of the grace of God, I love him because he's my brother. You know, or I love him because he's my neighbor, because he's my friend, because he's you know someone that just needs Jesus, and and how can I demonstrate that? So I like that 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 you shared that example of of kids, you know, who one minute will be hitting each other in the face, the next minute be you know apologizing and and loving on each other, and it's it is an incredible thing to see. And even Christ uses the the childlike faith, you know, as how we should all be. So that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, is there Any last words you'd like to share with my listeners?
1: Oh, that's it. I'd be honored if they would grab a copy of the new book, Um, You know, say all the unspoken things. I feel like it's the first book I wrote when I didn't have another job. And so I'm really happy. It has all my heart. And a good friend of mine just read like the first five chapters. And he's known me for 25 years. And he said, man, you kind of put all your gems in this book. You put all your heart in this book he said, I don't know if you can write another book after this. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, really? Cause it's to my daughters. I like all my best stories and all my best words and all like, i probably spent significantly more time on this book than any other book, because just thinking that like my great grandchildren will read it one day, knowing that I never even met them. Like I'm maybe I'm gone, you know? So it, it was kind of a monumental but um exciting thing to get to do so i would just say i'd be honored to grab a
0: copy of that well i will say one final thing about you to my listeners uh as after you know hearing this interview with john you see how a kind and and loving man he is and obviously a strong father this is also a man who has uh nearly been face to face with a grizzly bear in alaska <laughs> now, you, know, you can read all about that in uh, the book that we talked about at the beginning, The Heroic Path. It's an incredibly adventurous story. Um, and I, I encourage my listeners to also check out that book. Most of my listeners are men. So if you're wanting to add a book to your library, guys, that'll help you on that path to being a good man, definitely check out The Heroic Path by John Sowers and then take a look at his new book as well, especially if you have daughters. But even if you don't, I know that it's going to be an incredible read. I appreciate you agreeing to meet with me and I'm glad that we finally made this happen. I wish you the best. And, and maybe we can be in touch some more via email and just chat back and forth, but best of luck to you, but
1: yeah. Patience. Thank you so much.
0: Yes, sir. Have a great one. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the lily pad podcast for more information about our show and for notes about each episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Lilypad Podcast. And if you enjoyed this show, give us a follow on Spotify. Or if you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people learn about this podcast. So, once again, thanks for listening.